Hi, my name is Deacon Hayes, and I'm the host of the Well-Kept Wallet Podcast, and I am a huge fan of the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and it's with great pleasure that I've got a very interesting guest for us to talk about. Uh, We get guests on this show all the time, and uh, sometimes they're app developers, sometimes they're authors, uh, entrepreneurs, but this guest today is is very special, and that's because uh, his name is Phil McNevin. And if you just go to his website, philmcnevin.com, that's philmcnevin.com, you'll find out a lot about Phil. Uh, he is the uh, founder of Track Tracker Apps, and he's the co-founder of Able.fm, and he runs a great uh, podcast as well called uh, Minimum Viable Product. So uh, Minimum Viable Podcast. Actually, he made that same mistake. So, <laughs> Phil, uh, listen, welcome to the podcast, and welcome to the App Guy podcast. We're thrilled you could be here today. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Perhaps tell us a little bit more about yourself and and really how you found yourself involved in, uh, you know, the journey you've taken so far as an entrepreneur and an app developer and all these things that are going on in your life. Sure. Well, um, I I probably I usually start off by saying like my journey really started when I was around 18. It was my first year university. Um, I was feeling pretty lost at that period of time. And I remember one pivotal moment in my life where I was I was up late, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do, and this crazy guy came on on an infomercial around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and his name was Tony Robbins, which I'm pretty sure yes. you may have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I became a, a customer of his. I bought his product that he was promoting called Get the Edge, and it really fine-tuned the way that I thought. Um, it changed my mindset into being a person who always sought to live this outstanding life, like this over, you know, there's a good life, there's an excellent life, and then there's way above outstanding. And so that became my benchmark of how I wanted to do things, not just in my own life, but the way I wanted to serve others as well. And um, from that point, you know, I, I went down the path of, of starting my own business. Um, I started off as a web designer. Um, I did a freelancing. I started up a freelancing company, worked with a lot of really great clients, um, took some really great contracts, and my heart really lied in software. Um, I was always, you know, an avid gamer, um, and I used a lot of technology in what I did and became really fascinated with with apps. And so eventually, I knew at some point I would cross into the app world. Um, after working at a really great startup at the forefront of the crowdsourcing you know, uh, revolution, I guess you'd call it, back in 2006. Um, I started my first game development company. It was my first like, real software company um, where we, I wanted to solve a specific problem of people who were in uh, video game development school and animation school and stuff like that. Um, one of the problems they had was that when they came out of school, 
they didn't have the experience to find the good jobs as a developer or an animator or modeler or artist or anything like that. Um, but if they couldn't get the jobs, they couldn't get the experience. And so it was just a big catch-22. So what I did was I created um, a game development company that was completely crowdsourced gaming. So I went and I attracted people who were recent graduates of schools and brought them on and put them through this platform that allowed them to create teams to start developing games. Um, and those teams were managed by people who were experienced in the game development world so that they can build up a repertoire of, of games under their belt, also having a revenue share model so that they can actually generate revenue on these projects that they were creating. And then um, these games will be funneled through something like Xbox Live Arcade, where they really promote indie games. This was at the same time that Microsoft released their, uh, their XNA development kit, which allowed small indie studios to build uh, games and, and whatnot for uh, their Xbox Live Arcade. And so that, that took off really well. Um, it was a it was a phenomenal project that I worked on. It was I, I poured my heart into it, and uh, we got acquired within nine months of running wow. it. So um, so that was a huge awesome experience for me. Um, I then went on to learn a lot more about marketing. I needed to know more about business, so I started working for a guy by the name of Evan Pagan, who's one of the best, most brilliant marketing minds in our time. And um, I've, I've done some contract work with him and his team for the last um, over five years. And from there, I really got to meet a lot of really great people, really build my network. And probably one of the most important things I've learned is about marketing and how when you're starting a company, whether it's an app-based company, whether it's a service company, whether it's physical products, et cetera, um, one of the things that a lot of people do is that they, they think that they're an expert in this field and they come up with this amazing idea themselves and then they try to push it onto their customers. They try to find customers for their products. But that's actually a reverse model. And what I learned is that you, this is something that Seth Godin says, and I quote this all the time, and you'll find the quote on my website, <laughs> right, okay. is that your job as an entrepreneur is not to find customers for your product your job is to find products for your customers. It's all about them. It's about finding their pain points, what is causing pain and frustration, what are the emotional hot buttons that these people are going through, what are their irrational fears, and what are their desired outcomes, and then how can you bridge the gap so that they can remove those pains and fears and get to a place where they've got their desired outcome. And that's really where us as app developers come in to play. We want to find out what these pains are and then solve them through software so that they can get their desired outcome. That, that is a of... very inspiring story. Uh, absolutely, Phil. And I know that you'll be uh, appealing to a lot of people listening to this who may be starting their journey. And it just it goes back to perhaps the, the, the quote that I like, which is, when we decide to be free, we are free. And you, mm -hmm. you were that, you know, that two o'clock in the morning watching that infomercial from Tony Robbins and, and then that changed your life and you took action. You, you, uh, took it upon yourself to um, improve yourself and, and change your mindset and, and look at what happened has happened since. So, um, um, uh, did you get back in touch with Tony and say, uh, thanks for the help? And, 
does he um, does he accept uh, you know sort of thank yous when you uh, you, you acknowledge that, that he's had such an impact in your life? You know, to be honest, I had the opportunity and I didn't take it. You <laughs> bring that up. I eventually did get on the phone with Tony Robbins. Um, I was helping him through work with Evan. We were promoting a, a new product that he created called New Money Masters. And I had the amazing privilege many years after that first night to actually jump on the phone with Tony Robbins and speak to him directly. And I never did take that opportunity. Um, but it was just amazing to actually be there and be talking directly with one of the people who have had such an amazing influence on my life. That was a huge win for me. <laughs> well, Tony, if you're listening to this, we, we may be a listener of the App Guide podcast. Uh, there, there's an acknowledgement from mm. one of your former students. I know he does get into in, in, involved in new media, and I've heard him on some of the internet marketing videos, and uh, I think he does actually do the occasional podcast. So... Um, it would be great, wouldn't it, to, to have a chat with him on a podcast? But uh, uh, Yes, definitely. Yes, if you're listening, Tony, thank you so much for that <laughs> inspiration. Uh, well, you know, and you're doing the same. You're uh, passing the baton to um, the, the uh, I guess, the younger generation now who are coming through and uh, or any generation that are wanting to get involved in apps. So uh, we love talking about pain points and... Uh, we often bring it up on the show because pain points, as you say, do lead to app ideas. Um, perhaps we could have a think about um, pain points, but maybe just before we do that, it's probably a good idea to get involved in and listen to you talk about um, the, the tracker apps and the able.fm. And I understand that you're also uh, you're working on a new project, which you may be able to divulge a little bit more as well. So. Perhaps you can understand a little bit more about your current businesses and, and then we can discuss pain points. Sure. So Tracker Apps is a kind of a, a company that I started to solve p particular problems um, when it comes to, you know, managing and tracking data. So that was really a spun off from a pain that I personally felt um, that my wife actually felt probably more than me. <laughs> right, okay. um, but then I was able to take it to other entrepreneurs and validate the pain. And that's part of the, what we'll get into later about um, finding and validating pain. Um, but basically what it, what it does is, you know, we experience this really big pain. For me as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm not based out of the U.S., but it seems like the major global economy on the Internet is based in U.S. dollars. So a lot of the revenue that I generate is in is in U.S. currency, but that's not the the same currency that I pay for on my day to day life. So when we bring in U.S. currency, we have to watch the exchange rate because you can actually lose money, or you can make more money based on how you convert when you convert. So one of the problems that we had, particularly during the time of of the American recession the last few years was that the American dollar was worth less than the Canadian dollar. So I was taking a hit every time that I had to convert currency into my, my daily currency. So one of the things that we wanted to do was what if, um, or let me backtrack a little bit. So as part of that pain, we had to check the currency exchange rate on a daily basis and sometimes several times a day. Cause sometimes if you, if you exchange now, but then if you, if you wait even three hours, it's worth less than it was 
just a couple of hours ago. An example of that, we got a notification, or like we checked the bank rates and it was looking pretty good. And then we went to exchange like three hours later when we could. And we actually, in between those three hours, we lost $300 right. from the exchange rate. From that three hours, so it cost us an hour, or like $100 an hour not being able to exchange it. So one of the things that we decided to do is, well, what if there was a way that we could get notified about exchange rates without having to check it all the time because that was a huge pain. So what I decided to do is I created an iPhone app that you can set in like what currency rate you're getting paid in and what currency rate you want to exchange it to and then um, set a target rate in which is acceptable for you to get paid at. And then you just set it and you forget it. So what the app does is it constantly monitors the exchange rates for you and then sends you push notifications once the exchange rate has met your target. So that way. That sounds like that you're way. solving a real pain and people listening can just take inspiration from the fact that uh, the pain points are all around us uh, in our own business and in our own lives. And uh, we just need to keep our uh, mindful of the fact that we can solve these things with apps. Um, I, I suffered from exactly that pain point um, in 2005, six, seven. Yeah, I mean, every time uh, I was exchanging um, and other other data that's uh, or re relevant to the stock market and uh, the global economy, uh, it does. Vo it's very volatile. Maybe you need a, an app for Bitcoin and uh, keeping track yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's one of the biggest requests that we've got was, can you add Bitcoin to your app? So um, we definitely want to listen to our users, and, and that's probably something we'll be adding in the near future. Right. So, <laughs> so then um, you went on then to, to do Able FM as well. Is that, is that next in your list of um, uh, projects? Yeah, so Able, Able's been something that has been in the works even before um, the Tracker app which is called Exchange Tracker, if you're looking for it on iTunes Store. Um, so what ABLE is, is, you know, the last couple of years I've been, I've been coaching a lot of entrepreneurs who want to start their own business. And one of the major key points and problem points that they had was that they can learn all of what they need to know to learn to start a business, but it still takes technology to start it. And what if you're not technology savvy? So you don't know how to start a website. You don't know how to register a domain name. You don't know how to you know, build a website and capture leads or put up a shopping cart or any of that type of stuff. How do you, how do, you do it? And so um, I was coaching a lot of these people and finding out these pain points of where they were having troubles. And then the second pain point that people had got was that there's so much information about out there about starting a business. Where do I start? And even if I know where to start, um, there's just so much information that I get easily overwhelmed with like everything that needs to happen in order to start a business. So what we decided to do was we decided to create a training program slash, you know, uh, software that taught people how to start up their own business, um, primarily focused in the information marketing space, which is like experts and coaches and trainers who have information that they want to teach people and generate revenue doing it. 
Um, it teaches them how to do all of the technology components, but it does it in a way where it's just one step at a time. It's, it's action focused and it prevents them from moving forward until they've completed the step that they were at. So not only are they learning, but they're implementing. And if uh, studies show that if you implement at the same time that you're learning it, you've got an 80% more likely chance that you're going to retain that information. So we wanted to provide just the right information at the right time while they're completing their business. And so that was a training course, and it went really well. We had a really good success rate from it, and uh, people loved it. And we decided, well, what if, what if we could take it a step further? Because there are still some people who are going through the course who weren't following through. What were their roadblocks, and could we eliminate those pains? And so we took it one step further and built ABLE, which is basically a reverse of what we did before. Because before we, we provided a training program which gave them the tools. This time we're giving them the tools and then providing a training for, uh, program on how to use them. So ABLE is, a, is a, a software platform built on WordPress that allows people to come in and build their own websites. We take care of the hosting, we take care of the domain like we take care of basically everything and it just teaches them how to get the best out of the tools so that's uh that's able in a nutshell that is just such a great idea and uh, we we had the founder of uh, chic ceo on uh, she was episode uh, 52 and uh, she was finding uh, uh, she, i think she'd won the uh, uh, forbes top uh, uh, entrepreneur of the year and back in 2010 but she was really focused on a similar thing, uh, actually training, you know, providing uh, a lot of the resources and training because uh, there is so much information out there. And if we just rely on Google or YouTube mm -hmm. or these other resources that we have, uh, we can completely get overwhelmed and uh, sidetracked. And I love that. Uh, I love that idea of, um, you know, keeping you on track and making the learning part of the doing process as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. so, so that led then to, uh, are you able to talk about your latest project? Yeah, actually, um, this is the one that I'm most excited about. It's called Sasquash. <laughs> right, okay. And basically, uh, how that's spelled is S-A-A-S-Q-U-A-S-H. And we're getting a little playful with it because we want it to be kind of like a Sasquatch. And so a lot of our branding is around like Yetis and Bigfoots and, and all that stuff. We're, we're kind of going with the, uh, the male chimp style, you know, really infusing personality into this brand. Um, but basically where that idea came from was that as we were launching Able, there were a lot of emotional fears that we had gone through. Like, what if this thing doesn't work? Um, what if it's not quite ready? There's going to be bugs. And even if it was ready and, and there were bugs, you know, we can't prevent Chrome or Safari or Firefox from updating and potentially breaking our app because that tends to happen from time to time. And that's why a lot of apps need updates. Um, same thing with mobile apps. You know, if, if uh, Apple releases iOS 7.1, you know, something's changed and that might cause a few bugs in your app. We didn't want those bugs to deter users from using our app and canceling because it didn't work anymore. So we we're figuring out what is there, 
is there a way that we can engage these these customers so that they continue to use the service, that they're happy to use it, get some excited about using it, even if there are bugs, and for them to report the bugs for uh, to us so that we can solve those as quickly and efficiently as possible. And that's where Sasquatch came in. Um, we, I was at the same time that I was, I was launching Able, I was doing a launch for Eben and, uh, something that he did that was really unique. He shot a video and he made a mistake in the video, but instead of redoing it, he created a new intro and said, Hey, you know, I made a mistake in this video. If you can spot the mistake, I'll enter you into a contest to win a MacBook Pro. And what that actually did was it engaged the users because now they're just totally focused on watching the video and watching it all the way through because they want to make sure that they have, yeah, they want to make sure that they have the opportunity to win that MacBook Pro. So they're paying attention to everything (laughs) (laughs) and it it increased the engagement of them. But not only that, you know, we had over a thousand submissions of people wanting to win the MacBook Pro within days like it was phenomenal so what we decided to do to merge our problem with this new solution is we created something called sasquash which allows people uh, customers to if they find bugs or problems or user interface you know mistakes or user experience like say they click on a button and it takes them somewhere that's unexpected anytime any of these problems comes up for a user they can report it um, and when they report it, they earn rewards. So you're basically incentivizing them to stay on your pro- your product and incentivizing them to help you make it better. So you're going to get less negative reviews. You'll get less churn. Um, you'll have less people bouncing off your, your app or canceling and doing something different. And you'll increase the long time value of your customers so that they'll stay on longer and you know generate you more revenue because they stay on. And it also helps them help you make the the, the product better so that you can attract even more users. So that's the, the project that we're working on right now. Well, all of the projects you've discussed are incredibly um, useful. And uh, I just love the way you think about real world problems and then uh, find solutions. And creative solutions so you know this uh, Sasquatch I was, I was thinking uh, that uh, I had a recent experience with um, the founder of uh, the app called uh, Boss Jock which is a podcasting app that uh, enables you to do podcasting on on the go using your iPhone and yeah with the update recently there's there's been a few crashes and um, so I had a chat with him and he said you're the only person to bother actually getting in touch with me about these bugs um, I can see that mm-hmm. a lot of people are getting the crash that he gets the data and uh, a large number of people were getting the um, the bug but no one was taking action to engage him to, to uh, actually try and fix it and, and certainly doing it off of uh, the review um, site so that, that sounds to me like it's going to be incredibly useful for uh, many app developers to uh, have uh, that kind of solution to to the problem of um, not getting uh, people to engage with you uh, how did how uh, apple reacting to uh, th- that kind of engagement I'm, I'm guessing you you can't really uh, incentivize them to leave reviews but, but you can certainly incentivize uh, users to get in touch about bugs yeah well that's that is one thing you don't want to incentivize people to leave reviews because I think that's the 
against Apple's terms of service. But um, for them to talk to you directly before they hit the review site, that is, uh, that's really where the gold's going to be at. Because if you can do that and respond to them quickly and efficiently, then customers are much more likely to leave you a positive review. So that way you're not directly incentivizing app reviews. But, you know, by you contributing good service, listening to them, fixing their problems fast, then these customers are going to pay it back. And that payback is going to... It's a real problem, isn't it, Phil? But we had uh, the founder of uh, Square One Mail, and, and he was... Ex- uh, Branko Cerny, his name is. And uh, he was explaining that uh, they'd spent a year and a half building this app before launching it into the uh, App Store. Uh, had a load of uh, beta testers and uh, did as much work as they could. And then as soon as it hits the app store, there's the occasional review that is uh, highly negative that, oh, it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't contain this feature. And uh, there's no, uh, perhaps, perhaps there's just no appreciation by users that uh, the amount of work that goes into, into these apps and uh, the amount of blood, sweat and tears. And um, so any way of circumventing these um, instant negative reviews, I think it's a problem for many app developers. And, and of course they can affect downloads and affect rankings and, uh, and all sorts of things. So yeah, well, that's just it. Like people who have a negative experience with your app are, I think I can't remember the statistics, but something like ten times more likely to provide a review than those who are very satisfied. I mean, there are a couple of apps that I just absolutely love, and I haven't rated them, even though I know I should from a developer standpoint. <laughs> yeah. I really should give those people five stars, but I, I haven't, and. Um, it's, it's those people who are really upset that the app is breaking and potentially they have spent money on this app that they're the ones who are going to complain. And that's really going to hurt your bottom line. It's going to affect your downloads. It's going to affect your, uh, the revenue that goes into your pocket. Um, so it's, it's definitely a problem and we really want to solve this and we want to make it much easier for people to not only retain customers but also to uh, avoid those negative reviews. So you've just made me think of an idea that uh, would be useful for people listening. And uh, when you get uh, an app that you just love, you tend tend to go into it. And the app has written into the code uh, that if a user goes in more than three times, four times, then uh, instantly pops up a please rate our app. And I just feel that that's in the wrong place because that's when you're just going into the app for new. You want to get something done. You know, maybe it's the mail app or uh, a calendar app. And uh, you just, so you just dismiss it and think, oh, I'll do that later. And of course, later never comes. Mm-hmm. If, if that was to be reversed so that the rate my app appears when you're um, exiting an app, that would be a better time to, uh, I think, ask for a rating. But certainly getting ratings is, is one of the big challenges that app developers face. Yeah, definitely. That would be really interesting if you could write a script that, when someone exits, like if your if your app went into a background state um, after so many uses, like say a half a dozen, that it would send you a push notification. That would be interesting. I'd love to test that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it comes on the back of um, actually another guest that we had on the podcast who um, was was quite I- interesting. That he he actually. Um, uh, launched an app, I think it was on an Android, so it was a little bit easier to do this, but I think it was iOS as well, where he had uh, question and answers, uh, Q&A for the users. And so he could have an active uh, engagement with uh, users of the app. 
through these Q&As and comments within the app itself. And he said he got so many ideas for the app, it's business planning apps. And uh, I just feel like there's a, a real need for more engagement with the uh, users of our apps. Uh, more so than you know, just looking at the statistics and trying to figure out you know how many crashes and bugs that we get. Uh, we need to try and engage more with those users. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. I think that's really important to be engaging, even if your app is going really well. I mean, that's really where a lot of the growth of a company comes from: is engaging in your users. Um, I remember going through this really great training program for for app developers or people who want to start app-based businesses called The Foundation. And they talk about this process called idea extraction, which is where you go through and try to find the pains of people who you want to solve their, their pains through, through software. Um, but what a lot of people forget is that you know they're trying to interact with these people and find pains so that they can find an app idea. But then that's where the interaction with their customer stops. Like they're like, oh, all right, I've got my idea. I can just run with it now. But in reality, that process has to continue on over and over and over again. That's how your app gets better. It's how you really engage and keep raving fans of your customers. It's how you solve problems before they really become uh, massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, before they snowball into something bigger. Um, but user engagement not just them using your apps, but you continually to engage them and have a, an open dialogue with them, I think is, is really key and core to building up your, your app-based business into a really successful business. So, Phil, before we say goodbye, uh, we do like to ask guests uh, what phone you, you carry and what are your favorite apps, perhaps one or two of the apps that you uh, couldn't live without. Um, so what phone do you carry? I am still on an iPhone 4S. Right. <laughs> I haven't made the upgrade yet. Um, it's still chugging along for me. I, I was very close to upgrading to the 5S um, because I couldn't handle, like, my battery just kept dying, even though it said 40% when I was off. That was a really big bug that if I would be out somewhere and then, you know, I'd click on my phone and all of a sudden it'd just die on me. Um, but luckily, Apple fixed it with the 7.1 update, at least for me. Um, so that's that's what I carry. Um, I also have uh, a Retina iPad Mini, which I love, and I carry it with me everywhere as well. Uh, and I you're do, doing the call from your iPad Mini at the moment, aren't you? I am. Yeah, yeah I am doing it from my iPad Mini, which is great. Um, I also do have a Nexus 4 that I use for testing stuff on Android. So... Um, I don't use it as my daily phone, but I do have it for for testing purposes. And what uh, apps are on your iPhone? What uh, would you say your one or two favorite apps are? Oh, well, one of my favorite apps that I've been using right now is called Slack, and it's by the um, the founder of Flickr, and it's a communication tool. But it really became, in the last couple of days, became the hub of where I do all of my my business planning for Sasquatch. Um, it integrates with things like Asana for task management, Stripe, so you can get notified you know, whenever you're getting customers um, if you're using Stripe. Integrates with Google Docs, Google Hangouts, um, like you name it. All the stuff that we use in our business, or at least most of it, is all integrated with this, so it became a really big job for us. Um, so we use it for all of our communications internally 
And, um, and there's also a really great Mac app for it as well. Um, and probably PC and Android and all that stuff. So that's, that's one of my favorite apps. Um, I've only started using it maybe about a week ago, but it's very quickly become one of my favorite apps. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, some other ones that I really like is, um, uh, what's it called? MindNode. MindNode, I use that for, um, for planning out ideas and, and software. Um, it's a mind mapping application that is universal on iPad and iPhone, and you can also get it for Mac. And it allows you to create really great mind maps and really connect um, different nodes to each other through like alternative connections. And I use that every time I'm trying to plan out like what my software does and even using it as my, the basis for designing my user interface. So coming up with what screen should happen next. Like I, I, whenever I design an app, I come up with the user experience before I come up with the user interface. And that, help, that app really helps me to do that. Well, that's two awesome recommendations. And for those listening, uh, you did say in the pre-chat that you're hopeful to get the founder of Flickr onto your podcast, the Minimum Viable Podcast. So people should start listening to that. And uh, hopefully that you could... Uh, uh, given that you're a big fan of Slack and you said that Slack was uh, created by the um, the Flickr guys. So uh, that, that's um, that's amazing. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, we're uh, starting to run out of time. So is there anything that you would like to um, say to the audience, uh, that, you know, help people out who perhaps are just thinking about uh, becoming app developers? Maybe they're um, just started... Uh, what could you say to them to really incentivize them and give them a boost? Well, I'd probably recommend is, is really start networking with other people that you might know or, or jump into different groups of people who are app developers. I, I find that app developers are a really great community to get into. Um, you can really find good support and people to bounce ideas off of, and that's really been a very vital component of me being as successful as I have been is being able to chat with others about it. Don't do it on your own. Um, that's the mistake that a lot of people make. And so I just recommend going for it and, um, and finding some people to support you and finding some mentors that you can talk to. Well, thanks for sharing that because uh, I know that when you go to your website, it, the whole emphasis is around the importance of people in your uh, life, in your uh, business pursuits. And, you, you know, you're right that we can get sometimes uh, sidetracked to uh, sit on our own uh, coding or uh, building these apps and forget that the importance of people in, in the things that we're doing. So it's really well said. Uh, Phil, I just appreciate coming on to the App Guy podcast. It's been a really enjoyable chat with you. You're s clearly someone who's uh, been very successful and uh, we'd love to have you back on, especially uh, when uh, Sasquatch gets uh, uh, launched and uh, fully rolled out and perhaps we can have you back on and uh, talk about how the launch is going but in the meantime it just leaves me to say thanks for coming on the app guide podcast and wish you all the best thank you very much thanks for inviting me it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to this podcast stay tuned for the next episode if you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone then please send an email to info at onemob.com the App Guy Podcast.